0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Dear God, we um, thank you that in your providence um, you called us to yourself and um, allowed us to step into um, the relationship into the Trinity and have fellowship with you. And um, we look forward to being with you forever. And we thank you for being with us now. We pray now that you bless this time to your glory, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and lead us into your truth. If there's anything said that's not of you, I pray that you would erase it from our minds. Anything that is of you, you would write indelibly into our hearts. We give this time to you, to your glory and honor. In Christ's name, amen. I'd like to start with a couple of stories and then, um, go into what I w- want to try to share this morning. Um, the, um, stories, the first one, well, there's two stories. One I know is true because it, it's about me. The second one, I'm, I like it, so I'm going to tell it. Um, uh, the first one, some of you know, um, prior to my entering into the world of uh, finance about 35 years ago, I was an engineer before then. And, um, I remember being in engineering school in undergraduate school. All the engineers complained about all the theory. They said enough theory, enough theory, and we just kept complaining, and it didn't matter. But they kept teaching us theory. And then I remember a senior-level course I had. It's going to just bulge you over. It's so exciting. was called reinforced concrete design. And uh, and I remember the professor telling us one day. He said. Um, I asked the apartment head if I could get y'all down into the lab and mix up some concrete, and he was the, the professor was mad in a way because the dean would not let him do it. He said, "No, you're not going to do that." And I'm like, "Why wouldn't you let us mix up some concrete?" And later, the whole complaining about theory, the whole complaining about not being able to make mo- some concrete down in the lab, came. I understood it better later, and and that is. If you're focusing on the principles, the theory, then you have the ability to design things, regardless of what materials are used later. So if 20 years forward, concrete isn't the material of use, it's some polymer, you, don't, you have still have the theory, you know, modulus elasticity, these things that, that, that you can still design. Does that make sense? And so you're not technically bound to what you've seen you're not technically bound to what you've heard. You you have the ability to take those laws and apply them. Um, and so that was helpful, um, even though it was in hindsight. The uh, second one was, and this is one I'm not sure is true, but I really like it. Um, someone was sharing about, you know, how do people discern counterfeit money? And they were talking about the fact that all, they were just studying real money, and after a while Someone said in the treasury, said, why? When are we going to study counterfeit money? And they said, we're not going to study counterfeit money. They said, why? Because if you know real money, you can identify counterfeit money. And so I think sometimes we get caught up in worrying about what's not true. Well, if we just know what is true, we can identify that. And you've had that experience. I mean, I know I have with perfect strangers that are table in a different country and they start saying things about our faith and I know it's not true and when you challenge them they can't prove otherwise you know they, they know they've been had in a sense because it's counterfeit and that would go for a lot of things so um, I was talking to Cameron about this and I know um, y'all have been studying you know one verse or two verses at a time and so forth and and um but because of what I just shared with you, one thing that's always been a part of my life is trying to understand what those principles are. And it's not so much to be technically, or to make this a formula by any means. Uh, we have the living Word before us that that leads us through the power of the Holy Spirit. But better to understand the principles that we use. Virginia, my wife, is back here, so you know everything I said has to be true. <laughs> She'll stand up and leave. But... um is to, to to try to grab hold of some of those principles so that when we're talking to our children, which is so hard, um, you're talking from a basis of not what you think, but what the Word says and how it has worked into your life. and Because um, um, and ultimately, you want their faith in Christ and in His Word, not in you. But I will tell you this from my own experience as a child: they look at you as God. They they listen to you, even though it doesn't seem like they do sometimes. They listen to you, and um, I had you know experience with my parents that way. That I was told by a very (coughs) person of great authority within the faith that you know this didn't happen. I went home at the dinner table and said, "Well." I learned today that this didn't happen. And my dad said, oh, it did happen. And I went, okay, it did happen. It just had to do with the parting of the red sea. You're just like, okay. So the priest is wrong. Okay, so real quickly, if we could pass these out. And it, yeah, real quickly, I'm going to run through these. I think it, And listen, y'all, I know I'm at a huge disadvantage following the Menendez's. Uh, Who wants to do that, right? Um, does everyone have one? Okay, good. Yeah, y'all. It's enough for everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got plenty. I got 50. Cameron, I came pre- prepared. Y'all ready? Everybody got one? Okay. So, um I'll tell you what, if anybody comes in, I'm going to set some up here. Thank you, friend. Okay, so we're going to, as I think Mark Gentilette says, buckle up. Um, but, the, but the thing, I told Virginia this morning, I, I feel like some ways, maybe I should have gone first just because kind of this is a broad look at certain scriptures and it would be wonderful to take any one of these and go deeper. But, but these are the principles that have been very important to me in my life uh, as I started walking with Christ in my life my freshman year in college. Um, if you go to page 2, and many of you know this, but about 370 years ago, the Assembly of the Divines met at Westminster and came with, up with the, confession, the Westminster Confession of Faith. If you look at the Shorter Catechism, the first question is, what is the chief end of man? And um, the answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And I, th- I think with our children, if, if we can stay on point with that, that we're here to glorify Him and to enjoy Him forever, that's what we were created for. Um, it, you, and we can talk about this in a minute, but when we we'll go through questions and answers, but if you, if you think about these basic underlying truths, then when they ask certain questions, you can dispel this concern they may have, this sense of guilt, for example, that I'm not doing enough works, falling into what I call the Galatians trap. You know where Paul says, you foolish Galatians, so you were saved by grace, but now you're going to work it out? You foolish Galatians. And we all fall into that trap. All of us. We, don't, we go, I know Galatians. But then we go, well, I'm not doing what I should. Should is the law. The gospel is the freedom. So here is God say I mean, not not Westminster Confession, but and, but the the scriptures there are right out of the uh, of Catechism. The, the The point is that one principle. Why are we here? What were we created for? We were created to have fellowship with Him, to enjoy Him, and to glorify Him. The um, having grown up, kind of as my as a a baby faith in evangelism you know you can get to where you think your purpose is the great commission and um, the great commission is born out of our purpose if the great commission were our purpose we would have to fall to have purpose and if we fulfilled our purpose and everyone came to know Christ we'd have no purpose That is not our purpose. The Great Commission comes out of our purpose because we are enjoying Christ and glorifying Him. It's natural that we'd want to share that, right? I remember being in New Orleans back in my engineering days. I was on the Gretna side, and then I'd go into New Orleans to find anything that was spiritual. Imagine that. Uh, But there was this Christian conference going on right there. And I went in, and I was at the back, and I, I would go into town to get into Bible, say anything, but to be fair, because my days were pretty gloomy working in industrial processes and waste work. So I was, I was there at this, in this presentation, and I saw two guys at the back with their drinks in their hands, kind of, in a sense, kind of laughing at, not laughing, but snide, being excited about what they were seeing as the Christians were talking about different things from the stage and so forth. And I remember thinking, I don't want to go talk to them. Uh, I'm here to be fed. I'm here to be watered. I'm, I'm here. This is. I came to be nurtured, but I could. I knew I was going to. I was supposed to talk to them. Now I'm. You hear what I'm doing? I'm contradicting a little bit what I said because I don't want us to think that we lay back, right? But what I remember is, I went up to these two men. I was probably 26 at the time. And, um, they, I, I just stood by them while they had their drinks in their hands. They'd come off Canal Street. And I said, what, what do you think about this? And they said, well, it's kind of interesting. What's going on? And all of a sudden I said, well, and I just started talking to them. And they said, well, we're going to go on back. So I just started walking with them down Canal Street, <laughs> out the door. And, uh, and one of them said, there were two of them. One of them said, why are you talking to us? And I said, well, let me tell you this. If you parachuted out of a plane and it was an incredible experience, would you share it with your family? He said, well, yeah, I'd do that. I said, but if you parachute out of a plane and it was a remarkable experience, would you share it with your friends? He said, yeah, I'd do that. I said, well, what if you parachuted out of a plane and you found God? Would you share it with a stranger? He said, well, yeah. Might do that. We kept walking and talking. Turned down. I don't know if it was Bourbon Street. One of the streets, I I was down there at a conference about a year ago. And I, I walked down because I think I recognized where we were. But one of the guys who was kind of asking those questions as I was sharing my faith, um, he said, um, well, when do you stop sharing? And the other guy was, To me, very hungry. You know, I said, "Well, with you now." And I turned to the other guy, and I shared through the Old Testament. I mean, it was a 92nd from Old Testament Abraham through, just saying, "This is our faith, and this is the historical Christ in which we believe." And that changed my life. I'm convinced I'm going to see that guy in heaven. I could see in his eyes he was hungry. Do you see what I'm saying? So on one hand, I'm not saying we we just sit back and enjoy Christ. I hope that that's I'm, I'm going to balance that out with. But 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 what is our purpose? And it's out of that joy we share our faith. Um. Okay. So if we go to page three, this. Well, forgive me. Did the, turn my own huh? yeah, Yes. Page three. Okay. So now what's our framework? Space, it's the supernatural universe. <coughs> Time, it's the eternal perspective. Okay, space, Francis Schaeffer in um, um, True Spirituality uses this example out of 2 Kings, which I think <laughs> y'all have probably heard, so I won't repeat too much of it. But, you know, King of Aram is just mad as he can be because he's f- convinced there's a spy in his court. And they say, no, it's not a spy in his court, but Elijah is hearing every word you say in your bedroom. And that's how. The king of Israel knows what your next move is. And he says, okay, get the armies together and go get the prophet, Elijah. So they head out with a huge army to go get Elijah. And down on verse um, 15, Now when the attendant of the man of God, Elijah, had risen early and gone out, behold, an army of horses and chariots was circling the city. And a servant said to him, Alas, master, what shall we do? And he says, Do not fear for those who are with us are greater than those with them. And Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And he saw the chariots of fire. He saw the army of God. The point is, it was there all the time. You see what I'm saying? It's there all the time. But his servant did not see it. But Elijah saw it and knew it was there. Eternal Perspective, page 4. Um you know Paul speaks of the earthly tent and we have a home in heaven that we grown for today he says for me to live is Christ to die is gain it's 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 putting everything into perspective when we're sharing with our children that you know the world isn't fair this isn't it isn't just and one of the great um psalms of asaph is psalm 73 which I I just Encourage you just in a quiet time, it's set aside, just read it through in your own Bible. But Asaph is struggling what sometimes our children struggle with, and that is why is it that the wicked are flourishing? Why is it they are succeeding? Why is it they get the dates? Why is it they're getting to do this? Why are they getting invited to that? Why is this? And, it's, and I, I don't mean... But it's just this whole sense of why are these things happening? Why is... this? In this case, Asaph is really looking at... I'm not talking about just somebody getting a date. He's really looking at why are the wicked flourishing? And with great um, pride and mockery and mockering, mocking God. And then if you look in verse 17, he said, Until I came into the saints... In fact, it almost caused him, as you saw in the first verses, to slip. He said, and stumbled, but he said, until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. He knew where he was living. He was living in eternity. He was living eternal now. And uh, saw the purposes of that. Go to the, we can know the page five, the fall. I think the fall is just something we need when we're talking to our children we just need to let them know this is not where our hope lies in this world. This world is fallen, and we're seeing the better part of this world, <laughs> but this is a fallen world, and that um, it doesn't mean again we reconcile ourselves to it and then just become passive. But it just we cannot have our expectations that this world is going to change and and be such that. Um, that we can find our hope of contentment in that. Um, made alive in Christ, you all know Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that any man but should boast. I think that is one of the key scriptures that we need for our children to understand that their, their relationship with God is not based on their works. It's based on the work of Christ. But they will they will doubt themselves um, I made well no, no. Um, I may turn the mic off later and share some things but the thing is they have a hard time loving themselves sometimes and they need to know they're loved and 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 you're loving them I know that and and um, But they need to understand that. But also, in Galatians, that they're not earning God's love. Make sure that they're not falling into that sense that do I deserve to be loved. Um, uh, Down at God's desire for Christians and abundant life and contentment in Him. um, One of my favorite verses was John 10.10, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. But we should also know that the thief... Clearly, comes to still kill and destroy. Short term, it may look enticing or whatever, but he has come to still kill and destroy. But I, Christ said, I have come that you might, I might, you might have life and have it abundantly. The other thing is in Philippians when Paul's talking about, I've learned to be content whether with plenty or little or nothing. In this case, he was in jail. Um, with older children or teen college students. Sometimes if I get into discussion, I might say, "Well, why? Why do you? What do you want to do?" And they go, "I want to do this." I say, "Why?" And they say, "So then I can get this." And I say, "Well, why?" So I can get this. And then if it's a why, so I can get really, I say, "Well, what do you? What's the end point on this? Isn't it contentment?" They go, "Yeah." Well, you can be content in Christ. Now that's easy to say, and we still have our ambitions and we still have our goals, but we even need to recognize—I need to recognize—that. Um Contentment is available to me all the time, even in the worst of storms or even in the what I feel like is some level of de- deficiency that I would rather reconcile in another way. On page 6, the Holy Spirit, I think we should not underplay the importance of the third person of the Trinity. Um, if you look down Ephesians 5.18, I uh, do not... Get Drunk with wine for that's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. I am what I highlighted here is be filled with the Spirit. That the, the Greek is be ye being continually filled with the Holy Spirit, in other words, and that's not a feeling, y'all. You know, that is that is a surrender to the Spirit, that's surrendering to the control of the Holy Spirit. It's not a feeling. Um, and I had, um, I want to say off the record, but it's on the record. But, you know, my thing in college was I was in this fraternity and I was involved with some campus ministries and sometimes they'd come up about not drinking and I'd raise my hand and show me where it is. They went, there was no verse. And, and, and even though I had personally been convicted for drinking because my fraternity, they basically drank for one reason. So, you know, it was a conviction for that season of my life, you know. But, um, but the being filled with the Holy Spirit, being controlled by the Holy Spirit. And that's what in the first century church, remember they said they they look as if they're they're drunk with they was drunk with the spirit in the right way. Um and then we know what the fruit of the spirit is. Who are we? We have body, soul, and spirit. I'm kind of a trichotomist. So you have the body, then you have the soul, the mind, will and emotions, and the spirit. And for this I want to emphasize our uniqueness and to our children, our, their uniqueness, and, and be prepared to live with the words you say. Um, Michael Porter, who is one of the um, business professors at Harvard, who wrote the book Competitive Strategies, he his thing is, it's not if you're the best, it's how are you unique? okay well we've all been created uniquely with I say here unique gifts unique desires unique tolerance for risk unique callings and that uniqueness is what I don't want to say it's our competitive advantage but there's purpose in that that uniqueness and we need to emphasize to them that they're unique in a society where everybody's judged by the ACT score that deals with reading comprehension and mathematics or something I mean they are unique. Now, you need to be prepared for that because my son's senior year at Mountain Brook, I'm sitting across from a Marine sergeant talking about his future. And uh, and in uh, Virginia, next thing is, Virginia and I are sitting across from the Marine sergeant about a month later. Well, he had in his heart, he, he wants to be an entrepreneur, but he also wants to be involved with security. Well, we asked him to go on to school, college, For two years, and then he could go into ROTC or whatever. But to police, you don't know what you don't know. When you've been through K-12, through you don't know a different experience, right? And so he honored us with that, ultimately graduated from college. But today, he is a deputy sheriff in Jefferson County. Now, he has read more books, probably five times more books, than I will read in my life. He's a voracious reader. He's got an incredibly creative mind. But that was one of those things that was very unique to him. And I'm convinced that he will exercise that. We have some dear friends like Mary and Victor who live into our children's lives that will speak into their lives, too, to, to to honor them and to honor what they do. But I'm convinced, too, that that entrepreneurial piece will come out. But if it doesn't, this is what God's calling him to do. And you can't say, well, that's not exactly what I meant, to carry a gun and, and deal with the things I we hear about I may hear a little more than Virginia does with every day, you know. But, um, but, um, but you know, you said it, and I love. I put in here the painting of Descent from the Cross. um, The Frick Museum is probably one of our favorites there. It's called the. uh, It's a different version, but it's called um, the Deposition of Christ. But it just shows the importance of each person in a a, a scene or a life or a part of a person's life. And here you have Nicodemus, who now is clearly identified himself with Christ, who before came at night. You have Joseph of Arimathea, who was able, because of his wealth and influence, to petition Pilate for the body of Christ, then went and bought linen to have him wrapped, then put him in his tomb, had a different, unique purpose, Joseph of Arimathea. John became the the um, son of Mary, and Mary, the mother of John, as well. But, you know, the uniqueness of each of the, our roles. Um, we know what we are to do, and that is to love Him with all our heart and love others. I think the other, which maybe we talked about one time before when we talked together, was one of the big scriptures for me in school was be, uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This, I think I shared with y'all maybe before, was so important to me because I was, I'm not saying I was reared this way, but this is what I believed that I, I could pray for other people, I could pray for missionaries, I could pray for the sick, but I couldn't pray for the things I wanted, you know. And here it was in the form of a command to be anxious for nothing. It was unequivocal. It was exhaustive. It wasn't relative. Uh, And uh, But let them be known, lift them up in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That's the faith piece where you go, it's yours now. With thanksgiving. And, um, And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, be anxious for nothing. So when I find myself being anxious about something, I realize that's not where God wants me. In that position of fear, of anxiety, but rather to surrender it to Him. Again, going, and it plays right into faith in Hebrews 11. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it men of old gained approval. And in seeing, I just put the five senses. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, tasted, heard, you know, the things that, that we would have here. And I would say that. Um the main thing is that we're not putting faith in our feelings. How I feel. Do I feel saved? No matter how you feel. Scripture says you are saved. Do I feel loved? You are loved. And this is critical with your children. And I, um, that you just speak that truth into them that they are loved. And it's not because of how they feel. It's because of what God has said. In His Word, um, and I'm saying it like I'm a teacher. I mean, I don't mean that uh, being somewhat pedantic, but when you're with your child and you're sitting across the table from him, and you go, to, you, say, you know, he just wants to love you. He just, he, he loves you. Just, he just wants. You. And they feel like, well, he, I know he intellectually he loves. Everybody. I don't know if he loves me. And you just have to point at this, the scripture. Um, and know that the out, we're not an outcome based faith. So if, just cause you're faithful it doesn't mean you're not going to get sawn in half. It's right there in Hebrews. I mean, you, you can get delivered or you might not get delivered. And um, uh, but you're still faithful and He is still faithful. Um, trials and wisdom James 1, 1 through 1-8 I talk about this because I think I've, I can roll up my sleeves and show you my scars but uh, I've, I've gained a lot of wisdom through trials and, and failures and, and I'm sure there's plenty more to be gained but um, uh, I remember a business opportunity I had years and years ago and I invested a lot into it and uh, at the last minute it fell through and a friend said well let's go to lunch and I went downstairs and out in the car and they said, you know, just put it behind you. I said, you know, I got the pain. I want the wisdom. And I and I have um I have um I live with that wisdom that I gained that day. That was probably about thirty five years ago to this day. And y'all all have that too. But 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 find joy in that in the sense of not happiness, but the joy that wisdom is being born out of that. That um uh, will, will bear its fruit in time. Strengths and weaknesses. The main thing is you know about Paul and thorn in the flesh. Then in his weakness, God's strength could be shown. I'm, uh, I apologize, but maybe if you don't want to read all of this about Watchman Nee. But he was one of the influencers in my life. But he talks about... Among Christians, you know, sometimes we go, boy, they'd be a great Christian. Well, you're looking at their natural gifts. Will they be surrendered to Christ? Uh, I mean, and he warns Christians that you be careful that when you go into a situation that you're very aware. if, If that's your gift, that what you're about to exercise, be aware. So you're surrendered because otherwise you're going in there with your natural gifts. And, and we know what that bears in First Corinthians 13. If it, you're just doing it in a natural way, it, 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 it bears no fruit. Anything separate of me is nothing. So um, I think Watchman Nee does a great job of addressing that. And then I love on page 13, one of my favorite quotes, even though Hopkins is best known for his poetry, Virginia gave me an incredible book, One Year for Christmas, uh, and it was the sermons and devotional writings of uh, Gerard Manley Hopkins. But this one, I think, we need to be reminded of in those that we encounter, but also with our children. Smiting on an anvil, sawing a beam, whitewashing a wall, driving horses, sweeping, scouring, everything gives God some glory if being in His grace you do it as your duty. To go to communion worthily gives God great glory, but to take food in thankfulness and temperance gives Him glory too. To lift up the hands in prayer, give God glory. But a man with a dung fork in his hand, a woman with a slop pail, give him glory too. He is so great that all things give him glory, if you mean they should. So then, my brethren, live. And then uh, uh, this painting uh, just speaks to a young man who had his father forced him into the military, but he wanted to be a Christian. And then he is through this. He had this vision and he ultimately became a saint. Um Page 14, I think we all need to remind ourselves of this as it relates to our children. This is a Francis Schaeffer quote. If you demand perfection or nothing, you will always end up with nothing. And that could go for us in our work and anything we do. Um, and surround yourself with wise counselors and advisors. I will tell you, I am so grateful for the people who have poured into my children's lives. Uh, Mary, I mentioned Marion Victor, um, you know, of course Cameron and early on Elizabeth and Sarah and on and on. You know, it's just, it's just been a, and then Oscar Price and Ryan Griffin. They would take Stanford. Ryan claims he enjoyed going to bugs for breakfast before. He, I said, I, you know, boys are to me they're hard. And, and I said, you know, the thing I say about boys is their their confidence so exceeds their confidence. And you, and you got. <laughs> And, yeah, and you and you got to sit around that all morning with all these guys having breakfast before they head back up to school. Uh, he said, "Well, I just being with them." And I said, "Well, thank you for being there." And then Hughes Hall and others. But we're so grateful. But um, I hope. I know I've just thrown a lot of like principles that. But I think when when, well, I'll just leave it there. I hope that when we think, don't don't be anxious. Let's pray about that. Um, let's don't think that we're going to have some supernatural event. This is God's truth. It is true. And so often in evangelism, too, I have to disarm people when you're sharing your faith that they go, well, I've been hurt by the church. We we know that as one of our hearts. And these other things, I say, I'm not asking you to accept me. I mean, I'm, Trust me. I'm not asking you to accept the church. I'm not asking you to to accept the people that harmed your brother. I'm asking you to accept Christ. And how has He failed you? Tell me how He has failed you. And and that comes back to this with your children. I'm failing you as your father. But it doesn't make these truths any less true. And I'm just speaking those truths to you. Now... Uh, we're going to have a hard stop in about four minutes, So, and Virginia's keeping time. So, I know. I got the five-minute warning. Thank you, Don. <laughs> uh, I got the first warning. So um, what would y'all like to talk about? I hope some of this might be helpful or might have a question on. John, if your kid's giving you feedback <clears throat> the other direction on what resonated with them, in terms of yeah, that's a great question because they're 24 and 26 now. And um, I should do that. I mean, David, no, that's a great, great point. Um, can you think of anything, Virginia? That's good. But I, I, you know, I, I'll ask them over time. <laughs> you know, you have to judge the moment and then and try to get that feedback. I think, you know, we just prayed that they would accept Christ, and and then they, they did, and then we started praying for their helpmate. You know, and but even after they accepted Christ, and it was their decision, and they accepted him. Um, there was a journey still and in, in accepting these truths you know but i really i hope if this has come across at all that these are this is a formula or that these are some kind of science to be applied please do not take it that way it's it's just our understanding of truth and trying to share it with them anything else Yeah, thank you for your time. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.